Wow, I'm really, I'm really delighted to be here, and uh, I want, I want to be, I do want to be a resource to you and talk about the mission. But I can't stand up in front of you without really talking about the Bible and talking about Jesus. And so, um, I'm excited that you guys are going to engage in uh, biblical literacy for this next year. That is, that's an awesome thing. uh, that you can always be ready to give a defense for the hope that is within you, um, and and because we're we're called to be that in a to a lost and dying world, and I, I want to talk to you at some point in this message um, about um, God's plans and purposes for you as individuals and you as a church as it relates to the poor and needy. God talks, as you know, a lot about the poor and needy in scripture. And we want to look at that and look at kind of our role as it relates to that as the body of Christ. And then I'm going to talk to you about how the mission can help you, know, you uh, facilitate that in, in caring for the poor and needy in our community. Um, if, if you have a cell phone, um, click on um, Deuteronomy chapter 10. You, th- you thought I was going to have you turn it off, huh? No, no, no. We don't do that here. So, uh, Deuteronomy, um, fifth book of the Bible. You know, you know what's going on with, with Deuteronomy. Uh, the, the, uh, the children of Israel have been wandering around the desert for 40 years, and they... Um, it's been a mess, and God's continued to provide for them and care for them. And an entire generation has passed, and a new generation has come. And, and, and Moses is preparing them to go into the, into the land of milk and honey. But, but it, it's really hard. Deuteronomy is really a hard book because he's wagging his finger at them saying, I'm telling you this, but you're not, you're not going to make it. You're going to fail. It's it's really it's it's a tough one, um, but in this in the middle of this he, he he we we get this kind of revelation of the heart of God in here and in, in Deuteronomy ten, um, uh, he he kind of you know again reveals his heart a little bit to us, and um, so um, I'll start in verse twelve if you can start in verse twelve with me. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? Well, that's easy, isn't it? No, that's not easy, is it? Um, And to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you, Today, for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong the heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You, above all people, as you are this day. 
Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is a God of gods and a Lord and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Now, hold on to to that just a second. There's a lot in there. There's a whole lot in there. Um, but you see the heart of God. You see that, if, that Moses is saying, here's the deal. God wants you to do this simple thing. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, oh, here's a practical way to love others as well. And he wants you to love them. He wants you to obey his commands, and his commandments are about loving others. As you know, everything, all of life is about relationships, specifically our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. Everything is about relationships, and the second truth is that relationships are really hard. Really, really hard. It's really hard to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In fact, it's impossible apart from the grace of God. It is impossible for us to, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We fail all the time. If I ask you how you've done so far, have you loved God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength you know, through your life, through the last week, we'd, we'd all fail, right? We, uh, apart from the grace of God, who, who by his Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to love him, we, we have a hard time doing that. And... It's really difficult to love our neighbors. And God kind of did this this thing. He said, so the people that I'm going to point out are widows and orphans. And the ESV that I'm reading out translated sojourners. Um, other, um, Other versions use the word strangers or aliens. Um. <clears throat> and and kind of this root the root word of this this stranger is strange so god has called us to love strange people yeah that's really hard that's that's hard to love strange people but God reminds us of something. He, reminds, he reminded the children of Israel at that time. But think about it. That's what you were. You think you're, you're, you think you're normal. <laughs> but you're strange. And you were strangers, you were aliens, you were foreigners, in, he said, in the land of Egypt. They, they remembered what they were, at least they heard stories, because this was second generation. Their parents were strangers, they were aliens, they were foreigners, they were outcasts in the land of Egypt. And, and 
They, it's a, they hit home for them, and it should hit home for us. And, and let me kind of show you how it might hit home for us. Let's fast forward. We're leaving Israel and what God was telling them about and, and, and jump forward to the New Testament. Um, turn with me, if you will, or click on, if you will, the, uh, um, the book of Ephesians. And um, we're going to start in chapter 2. And let me just give a little background from the, the Jeff Gilman introduction to the book of Ephesians, my favorite book of the New Testament. Although I, I say that every time I open a book of the New Testament, this is my favorite. Um, I love the book of Ephesians. I, I think it's, it's the, the clarity of the gospel is so wonderful there. Um, and, and here's the deal about the Ephesians. It, it was written to a bunch of folks who saw themselves as second-class Christians. Um, they, it's, he's writing to folks, mostly Gentiles, which which was a pejorative term at that time. Now we just kind of think of it as, you know, people who aren't Jewish, you know, or Gentiles. But in, in those days, it was, a, it was, a, it, it was a, a derogatory term. And, um, and, and even Paul, you know, used that phrase, you Gentiles, you know. It was, it, and, uh, it, but it was... There, and you've got to know that there's a whole lot that's going on. Char mentioned that there was this, there's this kind of belief that the Bible's racist. One of the, this, this book of Ephesians just wipes that all out. It, it just really shows that God is about breaking those, those attitudes and those racist ideas. In fact, even when we saw in the, in the, book, of, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, you know, we have this crazy idea that God loved the Jewish people and he hated everyone else. That's a crazy lie. In the book of Deuteronomy, as we, as we were just reading, he, he, he said, you're supposed to love aliens, strangers, foreigners. You're supposed to love them because you were one of them. Well, in the book of Ephesians, he kind of does a similar thing. He, he's writing to this book of folks that their book of he write, he's writing this letter to people who think that they were second class Christians because they were Gentiles, and they didn't grow up with all the 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 benefits of the people who were Jewish Christians at the time, and there were a few of those among them, but they mostly they they said, well, we're not you know we don't quite fit into all of that, and and Paul says, well, let me set the record straight, let me encourage you with this, and he starts out in the book of Ephesians by saying, so here's good news, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's great news, isn't it? in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Well, that's not very encouraging, Paul. And, and Paul says, but yet, so were we, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We're all in the same boat. It doesn't matter whether you were Jewish or whether you were Gentile at that time. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity was. 
we're all in the same boat. And Paul says, I'm just like you. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. That's the great news. That God, who is rich in mercy, just like Moses said to the children of Israel, God demonstrated his love. He chose you among all people, as it is today, even your offspring. Paul is saying the same thing. God, being rich in mercy, saved us by grace when we were dead. That's great news. And out of that, as we jump forward to, to verse, those famous verses of 8 and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith, it's not of your own doing, it's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. We, but it says in verse 10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So just like the children of Israel, God pulled them out of Egypt, out of slavery. He pulled us out of the slavery of sin. He pulled us out of death into life. And he gave us purpose and meaning. For the children of Israel, he said, Here, here's what it looks like. Care for widows and orphans and love strangers. Paul says we're created for good works for us to walk in. Peter tells us that among the gifts of the, of the Spirit, that we've all been given these gifts, and we have, this, um, we have this responsibility to steward the gifts that God has given us. Now, at some point in the process, Israel made a big, made a big error back when God told them, he's chosen you out of all nations, he's loved your parents, and he's loved you among all people. They, they didn't quite understand the concept of chosen. They thought that chosen meant favorite. They thought at some point the difference is that God loves us and he does hate everyone else. What he really wants is for, for all of the world to be created for just us. And to bless us and to love us because God loves us and everyone else is horrible and evil and awful. And and clearly he didn't say that. But they thought chosen meant favorite. Now, um, my dad, um, um, a couple years ago, a few years ago, called me up and said, I'm selling the farm and we're moving into town. Would you like my wood shop? All the, you know, all the tools, all the power tools from my wood shop. And I'm thinking, okay, you live on a farm and you've got a real wood shop. I live in town and I've got a little garage. But I said, okay. And so I went and got all of his power tools. And I got to tell you, my favorite of all of his power tools is the drill press. Love the drill press. I've done some amazing things with the drill press 
that really shouldn't be done with a drill press. But I can't do everything with it. Because if I want, if I want to, um, to, to cut um, a cove molding or, or something like that, I'm not going to use the drill press for it. I'm going to use his variable miter saw for that, right? That's what I'm going to use. I, I'm not, I'm, I, if there's things that I cannot do with a drill press. It, I may, it may be my favorite tool, but it's not going to always be my chosen tool. And in the same, we got to get out of the mindset that we are God's favorite. Um, one missiologist talked about cat and dog theology. That, that, there's, that we get caught up in cat theology versus dog theology. Dog theology is, he looks at the, the master and he says, look at that man, he loves me, he feeds me, he cares for me, he, he meets all of my needs, he must be God. Whereas cats look at the owner and say, he loves me, he feeds me, he cares for me, he meets all of my needs. I must be God. <laughs> and, and we give this, somehow this mentality, we're so self-centered and so, and we think God is there for us instead of us being there for God. And the Bible clearly tells us that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God has prepared in advance that we should do. He goes on to say, therefore remember that at one time, and he you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in flesh by hands. Remember that at one time, you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made both us one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by dividing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. He told these folks, you, are, you who were once aliens, once strangers, have now been brought near. Just like the people of Israel who were once aliens and strangers were chosen out of that. Now, that's the foundation. That's the foundation. What I would suggest to you is throughout the Bible, you see God talking about what good works look like. Not good works so that we can win his favor. But good works that he's prepared for us to do because he's given us his favor. Because he's, he, because he's loved us and he's lavished his grace upon us. He's blessed us with his grace. And that we can walk now in those good works that he's prepared for us to do. Because he has pulled us out of slavery, we can now love people who are in slavery. Because he's pulled us out 
as strangers and aliens, we can now love those who are strangers and aliens. Because we, he's, he's redeemed us and has adopted us as children, we can love those who are orphaned. Because, because he, we are his bride, and he's made us his bride, we can love those who are widowed. We have an opportunity to love those. Now a word from our sponsor, Redwood Gospel Mission. <laughs> I, I work at... You know what I'm really glad of? I'm, I'm glad that you don't have a clock on, this, on the wall. So nobody has any idea what time it is, right? It's just people say, when is this going to be done? When he stops talking. Um, so, so Redwood Gospel Mission. Um, I, I, I went... I, was in Bible college in Portland, Oregon, um, down the street from uh, Western Seminary uh, uh, a ways. And I, I, uh, I, every student at Bible college has to go do uh, uh, student ministry. That's, that's the deal. And every, every year you, you pick a different student ministry. And, and I had come to faith just a, a couple of years before. I, I had not been a Christian very long before I went to Bible college. And uh, I, I was biblically illiterate. Um, but I, I, so I went to Bible college having been saved a couple of years. But my first, one of my first encounters after becoming a Christian was visiting, looking at Bible colleges around the country. And I, I visited Chicago, Illinois, and my cousin was a student there at Moody Bible Institute. And I was staying in downtown Chicago for a, a few weeks, looking at schools in the Midwest and realizing um, pretty quickly, I didn't want to live in the Midwest in the wintertime. And, and so I ended up in, in, in Portland. Um, and wintertime, it, it only lasts like 12 months a year there. Um, it, it actually only rains 30% of the time every single day of the year. Um, but I, so I went to, so I was in, I was in Portland and I was going to Bible college and um, but I'm sorry, when I was in Chicago, I was looking at schools, and I kept running into homeless people and tried to help them, and it was a dis- big disaster. And my cousin said, you know, they tell us at, at the school to go, um, hang, go, go to the mission and help there, because that, that's a way you can really help the, the homeless. And I said, well, what do they know? And I kept trying to help people. And one time I invited my cousin and this guy I was trying to help to a restaurant, and the guy was mentally ill, and he picked up a knife and tried to, to kill my cousin while we were eating. And it was, uh, it was shocking and, and scary for me. And, and then after, after the encounter, my cousin was just very calm. He said, they, they tell us um, at the school if we want to help the homeless to go down to the mission. <laughs> and and I, was a, I was a little embarrassed. So I, I eventually, when I went to Bible college, the one thing I wanted to do as a student ministry is to, to go work at the mission. And so my wife, my, my wife and I, she was my fiance at the time, my wife Kathy, she wanted to do something with me, but she wanted to be on the puppet team, and she was trying to convince me to be on the puppet team, and I wanted to do something more meaty, you know, go to, go to Skid Row. And so we, we drove down um, and parked underneath. It, you, fo- folks who don't know Portland, you, you won't understand this concept, but we went and parked underneath the Burnside Bridge. And the Burnside Bridge is this, one of the many bridges across the Willamette River, and, and the 
it's a big downtown situation, and the, the mission is the front door is actually on the anchorage of the bridge. So the front door is actually on the second floor of the mission. And to get there, you park under the bridge, and you go up these steps and go up to the, the main street and go knock on the door of the mission. But, I, but I, I didn't know what it would be like, and I parked under the bridge, and there was this whole you know, kind of ad hoc homeless shelter that was going on under the bridge. And there were people everywhere, and, and Kathy said, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I said, yeah, 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 don't worry. It's, it'll get better once we get up to the top, uh, up to the main street. And so we climbed up over people and over the, some other things that we ought not mention and got, got up the steps up to the top of the bridge, and, and there were just people everywhere. It was raining and Again, it does that once in a while in Portland. It was raining, and, and it, was, it was awful. And all these people were out on the street, and it was just in soaking wet. And I knocked on the door of the mission. And this was in another millennium, uh, a long time ago, right after the uh, Punic War had ended. And, and this guy opens this little trap door of the mission. It was like a speakeasy sort of thing. And he said, he said, what do you want? Just like just like the front desk of the mission, right? It's like, what? It's like the, the very gracious, what do you want? And I, learned, I, I got to know this guy eventually. His name was James, and he was, became one of my best friends. But he said, what do you want? And I said, I, I'm here to see the director of the mission. And he said, okay. And he opens the door, and I walked in. And, and, and I walked into what was in the, called the day room. And inside the mission, there was a day room. Well, all of the people, a lot of the people who had been out on the, on the street in the rain were now in this day room, having been soaking wet and all sitting together. And it was not very pleasant. It smelled really, really bad. And Kathy said, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I said, no. I'm not sure. Now, all of that is to say, would you like to come down to the mission? <clears throat> and so I, so I, I got there, and, and I, we met with the director, and he said, what, do you, what would you like to do? And, and, and I said, well, I'm a Bible college student, so I'd like to maybe preach you know, at the chapel service or, or do a Bible study. And he handed me a mop. And of, and of course, I was, you know, really indignant. And, and then it took me a, um, a, just a couple of minutes to figure out why he had handed me a mop. Because I got to start meeting people and connecting with people and developing relationships with people. Because I had a mop in my hand that I couldn't have if I was standing up on the platform preaching at people. And it, and it changed me, and it shaped me, and it, and it impacted me forever. Um, and so my promise to you is if you come down to the mission, I'd be happy to give you a mop. In truth, I'd be happy to give you a platform by which you could develop relationships with widows and orphans and strangers. Strangers. Amen? Strange, strange. So I would, I would be happy to, to give you that opportunity because God has called us all to do good works.
He's prepared that for us. He's, he's molded us and shaped us. He is, we are his workmanship. But that workmanship, um, he's like a great machinist, you know, and he's, he's turning us into this craftsmanship to be used as a tool to impact our world around us. And so, fast forward, I, that was, a, again, in another century, another millennium, and we move forward. I've been doing this work for a few years. Um, Max is 25 years here, but like 37 years in total. I'm really, really old. Um, and, and, and through that, God began to continue to work on, on, on me and my life, that the mission is not a subcontractor for you all to do the work of caring for the poor on your behalf. The mission is a platform, is a vehicle by which the body of Christ can care for the poor and needy in our community. Because like me, that kid that was on the street trying to help homeless people, it's really hard, right? It's really difficult to do that. So we create a platform by which you can do that. And so we, we, have, different, we have different vehicles for that. You know some of those vehicles. We have, once a month, you guys host the Nomadic Shelter, the Entertaining Angels Ministry. And we invite any of you to, to participate in that and to make that connection in a you know, relatively safe platform. It's not like going down underneath the Burnside Bridge in Portland, Oregon. And it's not even necessarily, you know, having to show up at 6th and Wilson, um, uh, though that's not the same place as Burnside in Portland, I can guarantee you. Um, but we have other, we have, that's one of our platforms. Another platform is um, a, a mentorship program working with men from the New Life program. Another platform is being a coach or a Bible, uh, Bible study teacher. We have more than 60 Bible teachers or, or teachers of one kind or another teaching life skills, recovery, and Bible classes at the mission. We have 365 days a year we have groups that come in and put on chapel services. 300 and um, 65 days a year, we are involved in all kinds of, of mentoring and counseling and sponsoring and, and, and teaching. Um, we have more than 2,000 volunteers um, throughout the mission in, in various platforms. Coming up next week, we've, we um, have a platform for 600 volunteers to minister to 5,000 of our closest friends um, that we invited over for Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and so we have the great Thanksgiving banquet, and we have got all kinds of, of activities. We have a, a variety of opportunities to engage in caring for people who are poor and needy, and because we understand our role is to provide that platform, we also provide training and equipping for folks to do that. We provide mentor training programs. We provide uh, teacher training. We provide um, support and, and leadership for folks who want to engage um, in the ministry of caring for the poor. And among you, there are folks who are involved in some of those ministries. And I would encourage you to connect with the people 
in your ministry who are already engaged in caring for the poor in our community through the mission. Um, That's pretty much what I have. Um, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has prepared in advance that we could do. And we have a vehicle to serve you in that called Redwood Gospel Mission. Bless you all.